everybody. Welcome to the Hunter's Quest podcast. This is your host, Hunter McWaters. And today I have a very interesting conversation with a former Navy SEAL named Asa Miller. And Asa got into the SEALs right around the time COVID was starting. He did one deployment into Somalia. And then um, he got told he had to get a COVID vaccine. And he, for uh, many reasons, which we get into in this episode, decided that was not going to happen. And um, he, you know, put his career, um, his livelihood that he'd worked, you know, super hard, obviously, to attain on the line to draw a line in the sand and um, stand up for his personal freedom, his uh, religious beliefs and his faith, and and, uh, just said, I'm not getting this vaccine. And um, that had some ramifications for his career and his life. And um, we talk a lot about it and how, um, you know, what that decision was like, um, the whole story. And he's got a um, documentary coming out soon called Seals Beat Biden. And, you know, it's a lot about the pandemic and the forced vaccinations and all that stuff, which, as you guys probably know, you know, I was always anti-vax. I was always a dude walking around with no mask on. Um, I knew pretty much, like I say in the episode, like one of the things I'm most proud of in my adult life, you know, believe it or not, is that I, from day one, did not buy into this pandemic thing. Um, and I'm not ashamed to say it. I'm proud to say it. Um, you know, I'm not throwing shade on anybody who, who did, but, um, all I'm trying to say is the issues we get into in this podcast are bigger than just COVID and the COVID vaccine. It's a bigger funda- foundational issue. It's, uh, you know, about freedom, about liberty, about corruption at the highest levels of our government. Uh, it's about greed. Um, and you know, it's about good American Christian men or men of faith um, standing up as we have from the time this country was founded, standing up for what we believe in, personal liberty um, and personal freedom and, you know, our beliefs and our families. And so um, anyway, this is a a really interesting conversation. Uh, I think you guys will really enjoy it. Um, Definitely be on the lookout for this documentary coming out. And, um, maybe, you know, me and Asa might do some work down the road, might take him on a hunt or something, have him teach me some stuff. Maybe I can teach him a thing or two. I don't know. Probably not, but maybe, (laughs) but, um, we have a great conversation and, um, I think you guys will enjoy it. So, um, you know, if you're watching this on YouTube, please hit the subscribe button. It would mean a lot. If you're listening, go ahead and go to YouTube and subscribe anyway. Um, you know, like, and comment on this video. Please share this episode with friends and family and subscribe to the podcast. Um, all that means a lot, and I appreciate your support. So enjoy this episode with former Navy SEAL Asa Miller. See you on the next one. All right, everybody, welcome to the Hunter's Quest podcast. This is your host, Hunter McWaters. Good to be with you. And today I am joined by Asa Miller. How you doing, sir? Doing well. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Yeah, man. It's good to it's good to have you. Um, so we linked up. You live where I used to live in Virginia Beach. You are former Navy Special Warfare. I guess you were a SEAL, correct? Yes, sir. Okay, cool. And um, 
we have some kind of mutual friends. I think you might know my dad, maybe. Do you know my dad? Yeah, I I met him briefly. We we chatted through a mutual friend. Okay, um, yeah, yeah. For a little bit, yeah. Yeah, man. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's he's awesome. Um, but yeah, man. So I heard your story, which I don't want to like jump in too much into yet, but I thought it was very interesting, and um, I kind of reached out to you a while ago about maybe doing a podcast. Um, and then you guys actually have a documentary coming out shortly, correct? Yep. So if everyone wants to follow along, you go over to sealsbeatbiden.com. That's the the website name. We've got one teaser out already. And then the, the release date is not quite set in stone, but it's going to be in November, this coming November. So Okay. So Seals that. Beat Biden. I, that already yep. sounds good. <laughs> yeah i think it's pretty good um <laughs> might be biased though dude oh man this this administration is just um a joke but like scary at the same time yeah the best way i've heard it explained was bill o'reilly actually he was just doing an interview with tucker and he described it as the age of chaos and that's yeah. the way it is whether whether you think it's planned or not we live in a chaotic world right now. Yeah. So um, I don't want to jump right into it. I want to hear a little bit about you and your backstory, but let's just tease it out here a little bit. So um, basically, you kind of had a moral conflict, which led to some interesting circumstances around forced vaccinations uh, for the COVID vaccination, right? Could you give us like just like a like a real brief kind of? I don't want to jump fully into it yet because I want to like kind of walk into it. But what's like the ten thousand foot like Reader's Digest? I guess. Yeah. So it all starts with worldview, right? I'm a Christian first and foremost. That's where I find my identity is in Christ. And um, so, so going into the COVID the COVID process, really. Um, Sure, everyone was kind of freaked out. No one really knew what was happening early on. But um, depending on where you looked, if you did some independent research, very quickly you could tell that things weren't things weren't as they seemed. Yeah. Um, with the with the virus itself, with the measures put in place to combat it, and then so already there was some kind of like doubt, like, hey, what's going on here? And then I was actually on deployment at the time in Africa, and I'd been there mm. for six months when the vaccine started coming out and just immediately i just had questions like hey what like i've just been living in a third world country dealing with you know locals on a daily basis yeah. no issues and all of a sudden it was kind of put as a as a unofficial mandate that we had to be vaccinated with mm. these brand new vaccines to come home and i was like that doesn't make sense i'm going from a dangerous place to a safe place why why do yeah. i need to get this so my gears start turning like all right, let me do some research on this. I didn't get the vaccine. I came home anyway. And um, so, yeah, so it, it took a few months. But during those months, I was like, hey, let's really dig in here, figure out what's up with these vaccines. You find out that, one, they're experimental. They're not FDA approved. Two, you find out that um, different chains of them were developed using aborted fetal cells, which is a huge Ooh. issue for me and my faith. Yeah. Um, so, just red flags everywhere, more or less, started popping yeah. up. Yeah, and, I'm – oh, sorry, go ahead. No, yeah, I was just going to say, so that that kind of – once the mandate eventually came down, 
I knew going into it, there was no way I would get it. And, and, and that was before we ever got into the like efficacy of the vaccines themselves, yeah. just uh, the way they were implemented and the way they're developed. Yeah. Um, yeah. There's so much there, man. Um, so I don't want to sound like, well, I don't care. Actually, one of the things I'm like most proud of in my adult life, and I'm not kidding, is that I knew from day one it was total BS, this whole <laughs> pandemic thing. Like, I, I, I was about to say I don't want to brag, but I kind of do want to brag because, like, I literally was the dude walking to Walmart, no mask, mid-vaccine. I was, um, I was flying. I remember being in the Denver airport. People like yelling at me, walking around in the airport too. No mask. Yeah. I saw, and this is like crowded airport, like just packed out airport. It was right when people started traveling again, but everyone was masked. And I saw like one other, one other person, and we like both made eye contact, and we were like, "Yeah." <laughs> but I just knew, man. Instant like, respect. <laughs> yeah, I just knew. Like, I think. You know, like you said, my faith is huge, and I think just being connected to the Holy Spirit, and um, also, you know, I believe in divine healing and walking in divine health, and especially during this time, I was kind of really digging into that stuff a lot, and I just, I was not buying it, man. I just wasn't having it. Yeah, no, and I think I think there were a lot of people um, who were who were right there with us mentally. But um, for whatever reason, um, and, I, and I think we could name a bunch of them, but for whatever personal reason, a lot of people just didn't have the courage yes. to do anything about it. And so that's kind of one of the main themes that um, I've taken and my friends have taken and the guys who kind of the team we've built inside and outside of the SEAL community um, have taken is we just want to be that shepherd, that kind of standard bearer who's saying, because courage is contagious, right? And mm -hmm. so I think that so many people, for lack of a better word, are sheep these days. They yes. they don't either don't have the knowledge or they don't have the confidence or some combination of the two yeah. to do the right thing. Even though in, intrinsically they know, like, this doesn't add up. This is wrong. Like, why am I wearing this cloth diaper on my face when it's the yeah. most deadly virus to ever, like, that doesn't that doesn't even pass the sniff test, you know? Yeah, no. And so I think a lot of people knew that. A lot of people were, were looking at you and were probably like, wow, like he's not wearing a mask. That's cool. And yet <laughs> they didn't have the confidence to do anything about it because they didn't they felt like they didn't know any better. They didn't have the rights to do something yeah. about it. And so kind of the goal of this whole process is like, hey, we just wanted to be that that flag bearer who says we we plant the flag in the ground and we say, This is truth. This is based in biblical and constitutional and, and, and yeah. law. Like we are standing for truth and now you can come and you can find the answers around us. And yeah. because I just, I feel like the goal was to put us in our houses. The goal was to keep yes. us from talking to each other. Shut right? down churches, and put us in our houses everything. and just see like, see how far they could push us and see what they could get away with for literally like, a flu yeah yeah <laughs> and and the numbers are crazy especially it feels good now i mean there's memes all over the internet right it's like all the different conspiracy theorist ones and it's like i'm feel vindicated because every every i've been told i was a crack for two years and now everything that i yeah. predicted came true right and you know name your meme but um 
the goal here is not really to relitigate the the past and to like say, hey, I was right, you guys were wrong. Yeah. The goal here is we have we, this this exposed systemic issues, <laughs> and mm-hmm. you know we like to talk about all these other things, systemic racism. We like to talk about you know trans theory and critical race theory, all these different things. But no, we have we have systemic issues, and it's in my belief, it's lack of confidence lack of knowledge we are we live in the age of information and and yet no one knows how to discern it so the goal of what we're trying to do here is like hey all these things are true all these things happened um now we need to do something about it to make sure that it never happens again so that's yeah. kind of the goal of this story um kind of the crusade i'm trying to go on yeah. now is i don't want i don't want people to come to me and apologize and be like oh you were right no right. i want to make sure that this never happens again um, yeah. and, and you had a lot on the lines. Oh, sorry to cut you off, man. I didn't mean to, but, um, no, no, you had no, a good. lot on the line. Like for me, it was like, oh yeah, people are going to look at me weird in Walmart. People might yell at me in the airport. Um, but you know, I'm not gonna, I'm not, I wasn't really, well, anyway, you were putting like a very hard earned career on the line and like the federal government, like telling you, so um, you, uh, you know, what you did took like some real courage, man. And I know that's obviously part of you because of the, the life you've chosen. So, um, man, I applaud you for, for standing up, um, for that. But, um, and I want to dig into all this stuff a little deeper, but I want to get to know you a little bit too, and just kind of give some context to this whole thing. And, um, I want to hear more about your story, man. So, um, yeah, just tell me a little about like, you know, you're growing up and then kind of what what led you to want to do what you do or did. Yeah. So growing up, uh, we talked a little bit right before this started, but my dad was in the Marine Corps for 27 years. So I was born in, into the Marine Corps family, it grew up until my teenage years. I was, you know, moving from base to base, East Coast, West Coast, middle of the country. Mm-hmm. Um, so service was always important aspect of my life. I think um, my dad was also um, a strong believer. So he really implemented um, catechisms and, and just church every Sunday, reading our Bible daily, praying. Um, so he, he raised me and, and my siblings. I come from a large family. Um, I have, there's eight of us kids biologically. Nice. And then I have two, two stepsisters. So we got a big family, but um, so Faith, family, freedom, that was always super important with my dad being in the Marine Corps. We were super proud of that. Floyd to Afghanistan. Um, so, again, growing up, I kind of always dreamed of being in the military just because I wanted to walk in my dad's footsteps. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he retired right right around the time I went to high school. We moved to the middle of the country, um, Missouri, right outside St. Louis. And... I went through the high school phase, you know, I was like, Oh, like, I'll just go to college. It'll be fun. I tried that for a semester. And I was like, man, this is, this is not fun. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't know what I wanted to do with college. I just thought I had to go. Right. Right. Um, and kind of at that same time, actually, my mom was dealing with cancer. She had colon cancer. Oh, wow. And she'd fought it once had surgery, chemo, the whole nine and had it gone into remission for a little bit and it came back right around that time I was finishing up my first semester mm-hmm. in college. And it was also, um, that was back in 2016. So there was a lot of kind of politics, a lot of, you know, world stage uncertainty, 
ISIS was on the rise. Mm -hmm. Um, I remember watching videos of those guys and just the brutality and evil. And I was like, man, I want to do something about that. Um, I made the mistake of watching one of those videos too. And like it freaking like I couldn't sleep, dude. Like, I don't know. It was one where they like burned the Turkish guys alive. I don't know why I watched it, but I did. And it was horrible. The, the most vivid one for me, I, I can't remember if it was that same situation, but they, they had a guy and they just, they hogtied him basically over a pit and just, and burnt him. And I was just God. like, how, like we live in the, you know, the 21st century. Like, how are we doing this to each other? It's disgusting. Yeah. And they um, put so that, that stuff really... on YouTube and then they're out here trying to like shadow ban me for putting like hunting on there. It's like, oh or gosh, like the Taliban crazy. has a Twitter, but Trump doesn't. Like, yeah on. yeah anyway no and no no you those are all valid points it, it's crazy I, the censorship that we have to deal with and that that played a huge role in 2020 2021 with the, mm-hmm. with the covid stuff but yeah so service upbringing um i saw the injustice overseas i wanted to do something i felt like we had leadership in the white house who would finally um unleash our soldiers to do something about it. We'd kind of, the military had been kind of, um, not kind of, had been restricted ridiculous amount by the Obama administration as far Mm -hmm. as rules of engagement and stuff. And my dad saw that on the tail end of his career, which kind of like, kind of discouraged me from wanting to go into it. I feel like the military was being neutered. Um, Mm -hmm. But seeing the new leadership, I was like, hey, let's let's do it. Um, And then also, as I mentioned, my mom was, was struggling with cancer and I wanted to, she was really struggling with, trying to decide if it was worth fighting again because when wow. it came back it came back worse and so i'd read a couple books watched a couple movies lone survivor and i was like this looks awesome this looks hard but it looks doable and i wanted to do something hard with my mom to kind of like give her another reason mm. to fight and so i enlisted kind of on a whim in the navy went and joined um the seals got to go through a lot of training for that so it took about 18 months or so, I think. And then, uh, came out here to the East coast and, and that's how I, that's how I joined. <laughs> wow, man. So like, were, have, were you athletic your whole life? Did you have to train for that or was it fairly? Yeah. I should have trained a lot more. I'll tell you that right now. Um, <laughs> I played, I played football in high school. Um, and so like, I lifted, ran a little bit, but it was not something I enjoyed doing. And I was kind of one of those guys that uh, I heard like in the books or on YouTube, you hear like, oh, you got to be able to run 30 miles a week or whatever it was. And so I was like, okay, well, I'll do like two, maybe three 10 mile runs and I'll be good. <laughs> so yeah. I went into, I went into boot camp with some serious stress fractures in my legs, shin splints, um, not prepared, but just, just stupid and uh motivated i guess so going back on it i wish i would have trained way harder i guess god gifted me the the um stubbornness and bare necessity of physical attributes yeah and i mean the mental toughness i mean um obviously i've never experienced anything like that level of training but um from the little bit of you know physical training i do and stuff like that like i know that the hardest part a lot of times is between the ears, right? Yeah, no, it's definitely the physical and and something that I think uh, everyone hears about the mental challenges and stuff, but then 
sometimes you'll watch the videos or whatever and or you'll you'll work out and you'll be like oh like that wasn't too bad that's like the fitness test but the biggest thing with selection and training is that um the physical it's the the constant physical tests and strain that wears down you mentally but vice versa as well. The more adjusted you are and the more trained you are physically, the more your mind can handle. Um, so that's one really cool thing about the community and just physical fitness in general um, that I'm super passionate about now <laughs> is uh, is the the mental and the physical are connected. Uh, the, sure. fit, the more physically fit you are, the more mentally fit. And you have to be mentally fit to be physically fit. So it's a beautiful kind of synergy between the two of them. Um, that a lot of people just, you know, they see the Instagram influencer and they're like, oh, if I just starve myself and yeah, <laughs> take yeah. some protein, I'll, I'll be fit. But you no, know, yeah. you got to go out and suffer a little bit. So I'm a huge, huge fan of CrossFit and that type of training because it, you, if you're not constantly challenging yourself, and I'm sure you see this on your hikes. I mean, you just went on how many day hunt? Nine days, was it? Yeah, the Alaska one was, yeah, nine days. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm sure that was mentally and physically. Yeah tolling it was but i'm sure there's a lot of preparation that went into that for sure yeah i do crossfit too um to prepare and like you know just training hikes and stuff like that with weight rucks i guess um but yeah that one was very mentally tough because i think i told you but we were we were 70 river miles from the boat launch where the transporter was and the deal we worked out with them was Cause they were booked up for like a couple of years and I was like, can you just drop us off and we'll, we'll get ourselves out. So we had to pack raft out 70 miles. Oh, man. And, um, the last few times I've been in a pack raft were like not the best experiences, like kind of scary. And so like the whole trip, I'm just like, <laughs> all right, we got to like put two caribou bowls in these inflatable rafts and get ourselves out of here. Like no one's coming to rescue us. It's kind of like looming. And then it turned out not to be that bad, but, um, but definitely it was like mentally and physically tough, but another part of that too, I feel like is, and I feel like maybe at a place where like a guy like you and maybe me is at, uh, an advantage too, is I feel like, um, the third component there, right. Which is like spiritual fitness as I like to call it. Like, um, you know, when, when you reach that red line physically and mentally, you know, you almost like you have that third gear to like, if you can fall back on God or or your faith or um, like I knew a couple times when I was like pretty scared or, you know, when things weren't going my way on hunts, like that was kind of things that kept me going. Was there a time through your training where, uh, you know, you had to kind of rely on, on your, on your faith and kind of pull into something deeper? Yeah, definitely. Um, I think obviously everyone knows about hell week or, you know, anyone who knows about seal teams, like that's kind of our, you know, claim to fame. Right. And there, there are some dark moments there for sure. Um, where all you want to do is just not do anything. And so having relying on being able to being able to see that there's a bigger picture here. Um, I think if it would all been, if it had been all about myself, um, I definitely wouldn't have kept going because I'm not that important (laughs) in moments of weakness, you know, my delusions of grandeur burn up pretty fast so having the worldview of like hey there are innocent people out there who need protection and um the lord has called you and put you in a place where if you just suck it up for a little bit you can offer 
Hmm. help. You can be that assistance. You know, the Lord works through human hands. Um, He's sovereign, but he works out his plan through us. And so we have to be willing vessels. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I think, I think definitely hell week is one of those moments that you can easily point to. Also um, a huge moment for me in my life was I went into this trying to give my mom hope and courage and she had it. She fought hard. um, But actually two weeks after hell week, um, she actually ended up passing away. And so that was, Oh no, it's yeah. Yeah. It was, it was, it was sad, but it's been, it's been a few years. Um, Still miss her, but that kind of, that definitely was a huge moment in my life where I had to rely on that spiritual fitness. Absolutely. Especially because I was still in the midst of selection. I still had four and a half um, months left of buds. And so that was hard being separated from your family. You know, you had friends, but you had just known these guys for, you know, probably six months at this point. Mm -hmm. So relying on the Lord in that, in that time was, was definitely a necessity for me. And um, it seems like the easy times in life are also the easiest times to get lazy with your faith. And so Mm -hmm. it's those hard times, selection, passing of a loved one, um, you know, career in jeopardy. Those are the times that force you to like, you know, they say hard times show you who your friends are. Well, are you, are you friends with the Lord? Do you have a relationship with the Lord? You're going to find out when you're, when you're in the Valley of death for sure. Yeah. hundred percent, man. Um, and you know, just like I'd talk about a lot, but, um, I feel like something that people don't really talk about much is that that walk with God just like your physical fitness has to be maintained and intentionally grown and developed. Uh, I know you said you do CrossFit. So like, do you have um, a practice or a practical thing or things you do on a daily basis or weekly basis to develop that, hone that spiritual fitness? Yeah. Um, I've really tried to implement just the kind of bare necessity. I've tried to make it a bare necessity of life. Every morning you get up, the first thing you do is I try to go for a walk, 20 minutes. It gets kind of the mind flowing and I try to pray for that 20 minutes, nice. um, focus the mind. And then I come back and, um, normally my, my kind of, my norm is I try to read a, at least one chapter in the Bible, um, different book, depending on, you know, I'll, I'll try to read one book through and then I'll bounce around, find, you know, old Testament, new Testament, something like that. Um, but currently I'm actually a friend of mine gave me the Westminster confession. And I think, um, a lot of times Christians, we kind of get in this mindset, especially modern Christians of, Hey, it's, it's me and my Jesus, me and my Bible. And while that's totally valid and important, I think that there's a lot of wisdom to be learned from, um, the ancients for lack of a better word, although the Westminster is not quite ancient, but um, a lot of wise guys got together to, to put that together. So kind of my, my goal coming, going forward is I want to get a few of the different confessions um, and just hear their perspective. It's chock full of scripture kind of given the, the, you know, scripture proofs for their interpretations. And I want to just read through two, three, maybe four of the different confessions and, compare and contrast and that's kind of a way cool i like reading learning um but it's just a good way to kind of see all the different perspectives see where it's it's pointed to in scripture and then kind of challenge myself to go 
beyond just my own understanding. Nice, man. Yeah, I like it. Um, cool. So, okay. So, um, you make it through training, buds, all that, and then you're active duty. So then, um, what's, what's it like from there? Take me, take me down the story path. Yeah. So it's a lot of training. So basically <laughs> you do your 18 months of buds and SQT or seal qualification training. That's when you get pinned just when you get your trident. And then I shipped out to the East coast and pretty much immediately you go right back into training mode. Um, mm. So the way the teams work is it's a two year cycle and about 18 months of that is training for the, you know, the game, which is the last six months. So for me, I did my 18 month workup and as a new guy, your first one, you're always, you know, you're the new guy. So you got to take out the trash. You got to clean all the, <laughs> clean all the boats and everything else. Make sure the gear is there on the right time, right place. Um, and there's other guys with you, but yeah, it was a great time. I enjoyed it. Um, learned a lot and went on my first deployment to Somalia, um, oh, in wow. the end of 2020, early 2021. And that was that was another kind of one of those like uh, life changing times for me um, because bet. you it, it gave some perspective um, to me and it kind of it showed it showed a lot of the cracks that I'd seen developed in the military when I was younger with mm. my dad's the end of his career and then I got over there and you want to be this we we I'm obviously a patriot right I love my country I love serving it. But you realize that there are there are issues, and I think that we should admit that, and I think that we should be open to talking about them and mm -hmm. figuring out solutions. But um, yeah, I went to Somalia, and I kind of realized that the global police force idea is is a nice idea, but I don't think in practice it helps the service members who are away for their families and. Mm -hmm wasting a lot of time and energy and also i don't really think it helps most of the populations were there to help and so i kind of had my eyes open to that a little bit mm. um expectations were probably a lot higher and different than they should yeah. have been going into it and um yeah i think the key the key lesson there was leadership in in how important it is and the lack that we have right now um and so that was more or less, that was kind of the pinnacle of my, my SEAL career. I went on my first deployment, came back in the middle of COVID, and uh, I spent another six months working up for another deployment. And at the end of that six months, so I'd done a total of about two years in the actual SEAL team when the mandate came out. And that was September of 2021. And then I actually got removed, kicked out of my SEAL team with, uh, I think it was 23 of us total got kicked out of our SEAL team to start out um, over refusing to get the, the unlawful COVID gene therapy. <laughs> COVID gene. Okay. So talk to me about that. What, what do you mean by that? Yeah. So um, I say it a little tongue in cheek. They changed the definition when they came out. So they are technically vaccines now, but the the original vaccine definition um, is basically, you know, you've got a a lessened version of a virus that they're injecting into your body, a dead version or whatever, yeah. and your body builds up antibodies, and that's that's what a vaccine was historically. And then in the build up to this this COVID jab, they actually changed the definition. 
of what a vaccine is to allow the umbrella term to be used for these mRNA mRNA um, gene therapies is what yeah. they are because they they go into your body and they change on a cellular cellular level um, your genes and the proteins and how they respond to COVID yeah, um, elements so of the COVID. Enough. Yeah, but it's not a vaccine. And so I like yeah. to say that tongue in cheek kind of because yes, they've changed the definitions, but I hold true to facts and not, you know, shifting definitions. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. So, okay. So you get out of training, you're a bright eyed, bushy tailed, like new Navy SEAL, you're ready to go save the world. You get to Somalia, you realize eh, maybe it's not exactly what you were expecting. Can you talk t to me a little bit about what some of those issues were that kind of made you see like, you know, and, and did that kind of feed into later when you're like, okay, now the federal government's telling me to take this thing I don't know about. So, yeah, talk to me about that a little bit. Yeah, so, and, and this ties into um, kind of the second key element of the seals beat biden um documentary that we're making that is it's more than just uh it's not a grudge match against covid it's the fact that there's leadership failure on a mm. massive scale not only in the pentagon civilian leadership and administration but in actual you know uniformed officers and senior leadership and that all started under the obama administration they fired a lot of generals and, you know, other flag officers who were not kind of the yes men that the administration wanted. Mm. And it's begun to trickle down to it, it, it's, it's a flood now of these kind of yes men guys who get promoted because they say the right thing or obey their, their superior officers. Mm. So some examples of that that I saw in Somalia were there's this, uh, we were even told by one of them, you know, you need to put on rose colored glasses. Like we were told leading up, we're going to go, we're going to smash Al-Shabaab. We're going to, you know, defeat terrorists, our nation's enemies. They're a threat to the homeland. They could get, you know, bombs to America. They're hurting the people of Somalia. Um, and we're going to go destroy them. And you show up and you just kind of sit on your base and you train your partner force haphazardly. No one really cares about them. And then when it push comes to shove and there's an operation, um, you have like almost zero authority to strike with a drone. You have zero authority to engage um, kinetically with the enemy, which is our entire mission. You're just mm -hmm. kind of there to advise these Somalis, but they don't have the education and the knowledge and the tools, and they also get paid by us. So um, the goal in reality is is to just be there is just keep getting the paycheck presence. keep getting the paycheck for them and us right. we want to be there and they want us to be there and they don't want to fix the problem and we don't want to fix the problem and that wow. really frustrated me especially being kind of you know an a a type personality who's like hey there's a problem let's do something about it here's the bad guy let's go get him you know um yeah. there's none of that and so one that's really bad for morale because you have all these guys who are geared up they've trained their whole life um, their whole job is to go and get the enemy and defend our nation. And you promise, 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 and you get there and and you're not allowed to do anything. Um, wow. and so that's one example. That's like a kind of 10,000 foot scale, you know, strategic yeah. um, argument that I would have, but I was an E5, right? So I don't get to have that argument. 
Um, and then on a, on a, a lower level, this, uh, so Trump decides he wants troops coming back, right? He was already working on the Afghanistan withdrawal, um, doing it strategically, slowly, putting putting things in place to keep the Taliban from, from retaliating. And then he tells everyone in Somalia, he was like, hey, you guys all have to leave. Um, and we had a tentative you know, deadline. And it was, it was astounding to me because as soon as we got that order, yes, we started putting plans in place to pull out. But at the same time, we were putting contingencies in place and plans in place to immediately start coming back um, for like extended stays because the DOD, Pentagon, and even our own senior, you know, NSW leadership don't want to give up that battle space because it gets them promotions. It gives us, you know, strategic location, which is just, you know, us to go spend money and get promotions and ribbons. Hmm. And so even when our commander in chief told us, you know, he gave us a lawful order, like, hey, you guys are leaving. America has no more interest here. We can accomplish everything we need to accomplish from, you know, other strategic locations throughout the Horn of Africa. So if Somali forces are out and immediately, you know, kind of that deep state, if you will, started putting plans in place to circumnavigate that order instantly. Wow. And I was just like, already I felt like our job was useless, for lack of a better word. And then as soon as we get a lawful order from our commander in chief, who, you know, we've sworn oaths to obey, they start trying to circumnavigate him immediately. Yeah. And it's, it's not like just they were him, like, it's not oh, the person. It's almost like there's like, oh, he'll he's just going to be there for four years. That was a fluke. We'll, we'll, be, we'll be back. <laughs> Yep, you know what I mean? Exactly. And dude, it's exactly. so crazy, like what you're saying. Because I was just thinking about this, like on a on a much grander scale in terms of like our whole world, to be honest. But um, and the marketplace and everything. But it's kind of like a a microcosm, which you're describing about how the powers that be want to keep these problems going. You know, keep us fighting wars, keep us, you know, whatever, scared of a. Uh, virus whatever in order to profit to make money to sell us products to sell us food to you know industrial military complex it's it's wild man yeah i forget who said it it might have been one of the clintons said never let a good crisis go to waste and mm. boy do they is that their guiding doctrine in every yeah. facet it seems like um, so would you agree so yeah. that the i mean i it's this is hard for me to say because I'm the same way, man. I'm a patriot. I love this country. However, I've come to realize America, the country, the idea is about the American people. It's not the American government. Because, yes. I, I mean, and and that a lot of people can't draw that distinction. That was kind of a lightning bolt moment for me because I started questioning everything. A lot of it having to do with COVID and different stuff coming down the line, but I started questioning everything. It's like, you have this conflict because you're like, no, I love America. And I do. Uh, I love the land. and I love the people, but I don't, I, I'm in a place now, man. where like, I really don't trust the federal government like at all. And I really don't think they have our best interest at heart at all. I think they're just like any other system corrupt system i'm sh yes there are good people in it i'm sure there's a lot of good people in it i know some good people in it but i think the system as a whole is about is not about christ and if it's not about christ ultimately it's it's for the other team and they want to just make money yep. and keep doing what they're doing and and have and control and power and money coming in all the time 
Absolutely. And and the cool thing is, is that train of thought puts you right in the founders camp, right? The, no one in the founders, except for maybe Alexander Hamilton, you know, yes. trusted the federal government. And so everything they did was put in place to make sure it was about we, the people, which was yes. revolutionary. Like we were coming out of a time where we had divine right, right? Yeah. Somebody was born. So they get to be, you know, God on earth, basically, yeah. you know, and, you know, with the kings and everybody and, you know, the aristocracy. So the founders knew that centralized power was awful. Never, never is a good idea. So they put everything in place and they lived a Christian. Um, they all had Christian worldviews, whether or not they were orthodox. We can debate that all day long. Yeah. But they came from a Christian worldview. And the Christian worldview is that government starts in the family with a father. You know, you have a father, you have a mother, you have, you raise children, and that is where government starts. And then it progresses to groups of families and you have communities, towns, small local governments, and then you progress to, you know, bigger, you know, state governments and then the federal government and powers to be delegated as low on that rung as possible. And outside of that, you know, advising all of that and influencing all of that is the government of the, of the church. And, um, Almost from the beginning, we have, you know, there have been people working to consolidate power. Um, you know, even even one of our first presidents, John Adams, was, yeah, had a little bit of an aristocracy bent in him. Alexander mm -hmm. Hamilton obviously did. Central banks were a big thing to him. So, yes, not all the founders agreed on how diverse, you know, or how, you know, uh, delegated the power should be. But we put in place a, a system of governments that, that, focused on individuals and not in an individual nihilistic sense like we have today but power is to the lowest level and from you know father to local to state to federal yeah. government we can make decisions best by ourselves and so there is a definitely a concerted effort to do away with that and um and yeah, it's sad to see. But yeah, sorry, we, I went on a little rant. I no, you're good, where man. You started with that. <laughs> we we lost it somewhere, um, and we even myself until just recently, I I lost that, and I couldn't see that America is not the federal government. America is, like you said, the people, the families, the individuals, um, and not of them all of them agree with you. And there also are bad actors in America. Like not every american person is good but um Absolutely. but yeah we and, and people need to make that distinction because i was having this tension of like man i really dislike and distrust the government but i love america and i'm a patriot like i don't want to be like anti-america because i'm not but then i yeah. realized that there's a distinction there but i don't know did you ever get to the point where you felt like a cog in a broken system or is that like a little bit too strong no, I think that's I think that's a great way of putting it. And um you know, it's hard because as as a as a seal, we're taught to be independent thinkers, we're you know taught to be problem solvers. Our mm -hmm. our ethos says that, you know, and when when there's no leadership, we're going to step up and be that leader. So we're taught to have integrity, we're taught to be leaders, we're taught to take action, we're taught to do what's right, we're trusted to do what's right. You know, we we're the guys who at night, you know, with very little oversight are, you know, in the building by ourselves having to make life and death decisions. And we are expected to be trusted. You know, we, we are trusted 
by the people of this nation to make the right decision in those life and death moments. And so that comes with a huge responsibility and it comes with a lot of training and it comes with a lot of promises. And so then to be put in places and situations where we're, you know, out of this side of our mouth, we're saying, Hey, this is our mission. We're defending America. We're, you know, we're, we're doing this or that. And then out of this side of our mouth, we're not doing any of that. Um, mm-hmm. It definitely put me in a moral conundrum. And, and I have a lot of friends who since this, since this has kind of gone away, the mandate was taken away. They've gone back to the SEAL teams or, you know, they're still active duty around, you know, different branches. And I, some of them, they reach out to me. I had one buddy reach out to me the other day and he's struggling to this day because he loves his country. He wants to serve. He believes God has put him in a place um, to serve. And yet he's like, how do I deal with, how do I, how do I serve a a military that's funding um, abortions? How do I serve in a military that's paying people to, you know, mutilate their genitals? And like, how am I, how am I serving a country that's placed a man who dresses a woman as an admiral in our service and, you know, puts him up as like woman of the year type awards. Like, like it's such a joke. You do feel like that cog. You, you feel like what, like, how can I be the light of Christ? How can I live, you know, a godly life myself if I'm associated with these people? And so that's, that's where we're at now. That's the kind of call to action is like, Hey, how do we group together? How do we, figure out to be that light while still being in the world. Cause I would never advocate for a retreat, right? Like I, I don't think we need to go to our house and our church and, you know, close the doors. Like that's not our mission. Um, yeah. So finding a way to not be a cog is the mission at this point. And um, everybody's mission is a little different, but the way they go about it. But I don't think, I don't think America was designed by, by cogs in a machine. And um, I don't think America is going to continue if people um, settle for that. Yeah. Well, that's great, man, because, you know, I feel like a lot of men, especially like in the space and, you know, my audience, hunters, guys like that, they, they, I'm speaking, I'm speaking for myself right now. Like, because I always wanted to be in the military too. when I was a kid and I went through a long period of, being an idiot which basically i don't think they would have even taken me um (laughs) but anyway like you know what i'm trying to say is i think a lot of guys you know have this maybe warrior spirit in them they 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 like the idea of you know fighting defending providing protecting um but maybe you know a military career is not an option or uh, not an option anymore or it's just not the path they took or whatever um but the thing is, is like, like you said, it starts with the family. Like, so like, I mean, and I don't want to sound cliche, but like, really, I mean, in your family, your home, your community, you can be that warrior leader that you have inside of you, you know, and, and that, and, and in that way, you're not, and I'm not knocking people who are in the military or want to do that or going towards that. I'm not trying to do that. I'm just saying for the people who aren't, um, you can be a air quotes, seal team leader of your own family you know what i mean oh yeah no i think so one of the saddest things in the church right now and it's affecting our culture is that um the church has kind of like seeded the term warrior to secular society like people yes. think in order to be like uh you know a ba man or a warrior 
or a savage even you have to be this like rambo running around cursing up a storm you know mm-hmm. you're sleeping with as many women drinking as much as you can right and yet like you read the bible you read the old testament even looking at the life of jesus like you, there could there's nothing farther from the truth oh yeah like, christianity should own manhood should own warrior yes. the warrior spirit and so actually something a project I'm working on now that I'm I'm out I'm working with a company called Armored Republic. Um they they make body armor and and kits and their their catchphrase their 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 guiding ethos is providing free men with the tools of liberty. Mm. And specifically we we do that from a Christian mindset. So one of the goals that we're trying to do is create some some social media YouTube content because that's kind of, you know, that's the way to reach people these days. Um, like we're doing right now. And we just want to lay out tools to start building people up. Like we already talked about the three pillars of like spiritual fitness, physical fitness, mental fitness. And so many times these days, even in the church, we have no one to look to except for, you know, the Andrew Tates of the world or um, all the like, you know, all these social media TikTok influencers with hair down to their nose, you know. And you're just like, what is this? Like, this is not manhood. This is not good. These are not people who can, on one hand, respect their wives, love their, you know, mothers, treat their children kindly. And then the next, you know, go outside and and fight the war that is needed culturally, Mm -hmm. socially, spiritually, physically sometimes. So we want to kind of give an alternate and not even a new perspective. We want to just give the biblical perspective that is like, hey, we're wolf. You know, we're not wolves. We're sheepdog, right? We're shepherds, mm-hmm. and we, in order to be a shepherd, you have to be, Jordan Peterson says, you have to be a, a it's better to be a warrior in a rose garden than a rose gardener in a war. And I feel yeah. like so many men, especially Christian men, have become rose gardeners because they're afraid to be masculine. They're afraid to be, you know, in the gym working out. They're afraid to be shooting guns. They're afraid to be talking about money and politics. They're afraid of everything. And so yeah. they just drink their soda pop they watch their tv and they they get fat and out of shape and it's disgusting in my opinion and it's sad Mm -hmm. but no one's stepping up to do anything about it no one's stepping up to give people um direction and we have it in the bible but you know people don't know how to read anymore so we're trying to make it relatable we're trying to point people in the right direction and I think that's, you know, obviously been an intentional attack, you know, from the enemy to erode and to take away masculinity. And, and hey, I've been there. I've been that guy with, uh, with the man boobs um, <laughs> drinking my soda pop, you know. But I, I made a change. And if you're listening out there, guys, like, um, you know, it's never too late to make a change to start developing the warrior that's inside of you. So do it. Um, and that was, that was a good word, brother. Um I want to get, I feel like I could talk to you for like all day. So, but I want to hit what we (laughs) kind of, we're going to talk about, which is, so this mandate comes, um, and I'm just going to play devil's advocate here because something I heard, you know, when you sign up for the military, you basically say, Hey, here's my body. I mean, you guys basically get chipped, not really, but I mean, so you're kind of signing up for. I'm going to do whatever the feds tell me I have to do. Um, just playing devil's advocate here. Um, what was it that kind of already talked about it, but just maybe go a little bit more into like, why did you decide like, Hey, this is where I draw the line. Like I'm not doing this and walk me through that yeah. whole kind of process. Yeah. So first and, and the foremost, fallout. I would say, 
Yeah, no, yeah. So first and foremost, I would say, you know, before you even go to boot camp, you raise your right hand and you promise to, you know, defend, protect and defend the Constitution from enemies foreign and domestic. Mm -hmm. And people like to forget that part. So <laughs> I, when I sign up to be in the military, I am not signing away my constitutional rights. I'm protecting and defending them. Mm. And that's not just for myself. That's for everyone and vice versa. That's not just for everyone. And then I'm like, you know, this useless, you know, clone trooper. Like, yeah. no, I'm a free American. And uh, you look at the Revolutionary War in Washington in, in order to try and boost recruitment and stuff. He realized, you know, the old ways of treating your soldiers like drones wasn't going to work anymore. So he even offered um, in the early time, early years of the war, he offered guys to re-enlist if they would stay and they wouldn't even have to sign paperwork. So legally they weren't, you know, they weren't even on paper yeah. enlisted, but he trusted them. He extended that hand of trust to his guys mm. and thousands of them stayed even when they were getting whooped on a daily basis by, by the British. And so, you know, historically, no, we're not drones. We're free men. We have our own rights, every single one of them, the same ones you have, I have, and I'm defending them. And, um, that's everyone's responsibility, but you know, I, I'm actually held to an oath to do it when I joined the military. So immediately I would say to someone who tries to use that line of argument, like, no, I'm the one who's sworn to protect and defend from enemies, yeah. foreign and domestic. You have rights just because they're God given and you know, you were born here. I have a step. I, I even have a higher amount of rights. You have or, a claim greater, on those rights. I have a claim on those rights. Exactly. Because I'm defending and supporting them. And so immediately I, you know, I kind of laugh if someone tries to use that against me, which people have, but <laughs> no. So, so yeah, um, coming back from, from Africa, we're looking into everything. I'm seeing, you know, there's no science that's supporting these things there. It's incredible science that's developing these things, you know, maybe 20, 40 years down the road, once we've done tests on them, you know, maybe MRNA could be a great thing. I don't know. They better stop using aborted fetal cells, but um, so the science in and of itself, I don't think is wrong. I love science, right? God gave us science. Um, yep. but science is man's way point. of ex explaining what God does. Yeah, I love that definition. Um, so huge science guy, right? Um, <laughs> just the facts, the facts of the science showed that these things weren't ready. They mm -hmm. weren't tested on anybody. The only tests that we could find were on rats and I forget the percentage, but I want to say it was 40 to 60% of these rats were getting cancer and dying. Mm -hmm. And so I'm like, I don't, I don't want to put this in my body. And secondly, you know, we've already gone over the abortion issue, the, the science issue. These things are untested, unproven. And the most common sense thing is I've tested positive for COVID twice while in a third world country. And I was asymptomatic and completely fine. I worked out every day. I went and spearfished and did my job right so there's no reason for me to get this the risk reward and balance is not there yes the risk reward balance is not there and their biggest selling point because before it was ever mandated their biggest selling point was that it's a risk to force risk to mission like if we don't do this like our we can't do our mission we can't you know and you're going to endanger people's lives and i'm like again i don't have to be a scientist to know i just lived in a third world country where people wipe with their hands to know that i'm not a risk to force <laughs> risk to mission you know yeah and so it doesn't pass faith test doesn't pass the sniff test doesn't pass science test and so i said no 
And they, they tried a lot of different things. Each team did it differently. Um, it was very coercive. You had across the DOD, because this is another thing too. Like this was not just like the SEAL team persecution. This was DOD. This was oh, yeah. federal. Like we yeah, had yeah. OSHA mandating small businesses and hospitals, mm-hmm. nurses, teachers. Like my, my little siblings trying to go to school in Texas, we're trying to figure out like, can I even go to school this year? Um, because I'm not going to get vaccinated after we, they all tested positive. Like it was insanity and no one was doing anything about it. And so we got the guys together. We were meeting weekly at my house and we were just like, yo, like, are we going to go to prison? Cause we didn't, we're not lawyers, you know? And yeah, we were yeah. like, I don't, I don't know the legality of this. They're telling me I have to do this, but it's wrong. It's not FDA approved, which means legally it's illegal, but they're still telling me somehow this is a lawful order. Um, so we were meeting, thankfully, at this time, uh, a buddy of mine who's still active duty, but his old pastor was plugged in with some awesome faith leaders. Um, a lot of guys from Apologia Church out in Arizona. The, um, Jeff Durbin is their head pastor, James White. Um, and then Douglas Wilson out in Moscow, Idaho, another awesome pastor, um, Presbyterian, Baptist, a bunch of different guys. They pulled a team together. Um, and then we had some political guys as well come in and they were able to find a couple lawyers who will be um, in in the documentary as well. Kind of tells this whole story. So I don't want to give too much away, but yeah. we got this team together that literally the only way to explain it is the Lord intervened. Right. Like he put people in places that we could never have dreamed of. I'd never heard of these guys, had no dream of meeting them. And they showed up at our doorstep pretty much. And we we had a. Uh, meeting at a local church here where friends, families, um, guys who got the vaccine, guys who weren't opposed to it, but had questions. We brought in a huge group of dudes and we just talked about like, Hey, these are our fears. These are our beliefs. Can you help us explain? Are we crazy? Are we conspiracy theory? Are we, do we have legal grounds to stand on? Mm-hmm. And we just built this awesome team out of nowhere. And, um, they set up a foundation for us called stand with warriors that's active and growing right now um, to provide financial resources for um, veterans and, you know, active duty members who can't defend themselves, but are being persecuted. Hmm. And um, so it just really started growing immediately. And they, they provided us with the means to be like, no, this is right. We're standing on our beliefs. We're standing on our convictions. We're standing on the Bible first and the Constitution second, and we're not yeah. going to do this. So, what was? Let me jump in real team, quick. Let me jump in real quick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What was the general, like, if you were to take just the whole teams? I know you can't like it's an oversimplification, but was was like fifty fifty? Was it like seventy percent? We're like, yeah, let's just whatever. Let's just take it. Or is it like a lot of guys didn't want to? What was the kind of general? I would say. And, and this is past the point where people can get in trouble for this. So I'm not afraid to say this, but I would say at, at most or at least 90% of seals disagreed with the vaccines for mm-hmm. one way wow. or another, like either it was medical, whether they thought it was stupid, whether they thought it was religiously wrong. I would say the numbers probably 90% thought it was wrong. And I would say to this day, even though their numbers say, you know, probably like 80, 90% are vaccinated, I would say, that of the people who said they were vaccinated, I would say maybe 70% are lied about it. Whether they got a shot and shot it in the trash can, whether they got a fake vaccine card. And 
You know, I struggled with sharing that information at first because for a while it could have got people in trouble. Um, And I want to protect my brothers. But at the same time, like we're talking here about being men. We're talking here about being guys who are trusted to go into dark rooms and kill bad guys and save innocent ones. And yet they believe something is wrong, as simple as it may seem as a vaccine, right? And they don't even have the mental or they don't have the courage to say no for whatever reason. And And like they send you guys into places where people are shooting at you and they're going to force you to do something you don't want to do. That's a 99% survival rate. It just doesn't like logically make any sense. Yeah. And I, and I want to reiterate, I'm not calling these guys cowards at all. As far as like combat, I trust all these guys. But what I'm saying is that there is, there is a level of, we're supposed to be men of integrity and we should have the courage to stand for what we believe in. Um, And if, and coming from a Christian worldview, which is the only worldview, but coming from a Christian worldview, if you can't, if you can't put what you know to be right over what you want to do, then that's an idol Hmm. and that's unhealthy. You know, it's an addiction. And what I see happening is this kind of ethos and, this mythology of, you know, being in the military or having my job or whatever it's gotten or being a seal. It's gotten to the point where it's more important to have a title than to stand true to who you are and what you believe in. And that's dangerous and scary. Like, and so I think it's important to call people out um, and to speak truth because next time something like this happens, people need to stand for what they believe in. Um, and so, yeah, to answer your question, a vast majority of guys, not only in the teams, but across the military, I have a lot of friends. I have a friend who's in the Marine Corps, another friend who's in the fleet right now on an aircraft carrier, um, friends on the West coast still who are, you know, are corpsmen and stuff. And they all would tell me like, dude, this is so wrong. This is so wrong. And then push came to shove and they got it. And, and it sucks. Because yeah. you want to see people stand for what they believe in. You want to see that courage. Um, so, again, that's why we're coming out with Seals Beat Biden. We want to tell the stories of people who did the right thing, knew the right thing, stood for it, were persecuted for it. It took a long time, but we won. Yeah. And so we want to provide people with a path to say, like, hey, no, if you feel that in your gut, maybe you don't even know why it is the way it is. But there are there are not only options, but there are resources for you to to hone in and figure out your beliefs and to do something about it and stand for righteousness, stand for justice. So, um, why do you think they were doing this? Were they was, were, were top military officials getting paid off on Pfizer? Were they making, you know, what, what, why, why? Yeah. I don't, I mean, I believe maybe on some level, some people thought it was, actually you know mission essential or whatever but i gotta believe at somewhere at the highest levels they they knew and they were trying to make money off it or something i mean what do you think yeah so i think it's a long answer um i'll try to (laughs) hit it some bullet points but um so first and foremost i think that there are nefarious characters and actors right i think there are people who want to see this country change if not fail and I mm. think that some of them are in the DOD. 
definitely they're in the Pentagon and absolutely in the administration. Wow. And there are I also pe- you're saying there are people in the DOD and Pentagon that want this country to fail. I believe so. Absolutely. For the new world order to take and, over, I guess. Yeah. Whether it's George Soros's open borders, whether it's World Economic Forum. I mean, the World Economic Forum put out in the mid-2000s, I believe it was, an exact plan for a virus to knock the world out. And it, to a T, was followed in the COVID pandemic. And yeah. so, you know, call me a tin hat, whatever. Either they're profits or it's connected. And um, so to get back on track... As far as DOD goes, I know Lloyd Austin owned a lot of shares in a pharmaceutical company. He sold them right around the time the pandemic started. So, you know, I don't know if that was just coincidence or if he was trying to cover his butt. But I also know that Lloyd Austin's not a stupid person. Um, I know there's a lot of I know there's a lot of yes men kind of going back to what we talked about at the beginning under Obama administration. There's not a lot of leaders who stand for what they believe. So I think there are a lot of useful idiots. But I also think that you don't get to the highest levels without having some mental competency. And yet you would see Lloyd Austin, who's the secretary um, of defense. He went over to the Philippines in the middle of the pandemic towards the end of the pandemic, actually, and was wearing double mask with a face shield surrounded by people with like at most a mask on. And he was double vaxxed at the time. And so you're just like, man, like I really want to believe you're a smart guy, but you like you have two vaccines that you claim at the time were, you know, 99% effective yeah. that they stop transmission, that they, you know, protect you from the virus. And yet you have two masks on, you have a face shield on and you're representing American strength and power. And God. I'm just like, I don't know if Coward. you're just literally the biggest idiot in the world, or you are just such a propagandist coward that, yeah. like, I don't know. So there yeah, are both. useful idiots. There are evil, nefarious characters, and they're all up and down the chain. Um, and, and you know, it goes further than just the vaccine, though, and so does the Steels Beat Biden. And it's important to address, like, I talked a little bit about my, my microcosm of the fail, failed leadership in Somalia. But a few, few short months later, we had the Afghanistan withdrawal. And that happened under Lloyd Austin as well. And you also have... Um, which was unexcusable. We had plenty of defensible airports and they gave them all up and we lost 13 people because of it. Mm. And then you continue on and it's kind of this general theme of using the federal government and specifically the Department of Defense because it's the most trusted institution in America to force social change and policies and politics on the American people. Mm. And you see this, you see this through Miley, who is the outgoing um, Joint Chief of Staff talking about white rage and how he wants to understand it better and be different. And he, then he goes on that the incoming Joint Chief of Staff, General Charles Brown, says that there's too many white officers in the in the military and that we need to have basically uh, reverse racism, if you want to call it that, to force <laughs> out white officers, hmm. keep them from joining and to bring in minorities, which, hey, I'm all for minorities being in the military. Yeah. My best friends are, you know, minorities, my brother-in-law. And yet I want people in every job to be qualified for Merit the job based. they're at. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the whole point. And if there's any institution in the world that should be 100% merit-based, it would be the institution that you def- rely on to save your country from invasion, right? Right. Yeah. Like, 
And yet here we have the top generals in our armed forces, the outgoing and the incoming, hating on white people and telling us that we have too many white people in the military. Yeah. And you're like, but you're supposed to be apolitical. You're supposed to not care about these social things. And then also General Charles Brown, when the whole um, when the whole uh, George Floyd thing happened, like, hey, you can say it was murder. You can say it wasn't. You can say it was caused by the drugs that were ravishing his body. You can say that he was an awful human who had, you know, raped and abused women. Or, you know, you can say the officer was terrible. I don't care. Like, we can have that argument. But what you shouldn't do as a four-star general in the military is come out in the middle of a politically heated um, social debate and take a stand, um, take a right. side. And that is what our incoming Joint Chief of Staff's general, um, General Charles Brown, did. So to answer your question, again, like, this goes so far beyond COVID. This goes so far beyond yeah. a vax. Did he make money? Did he not make money? Like, what are you doing to the military? You're destroying the trust in the military. You're destroying the efficiency and the war prowess of the military. You're destroying morale. Um, and you're destroying people's lives. DC Drano, uh, you know, he's a Instagram and, you know, social media guy. He was just talking to a service member who came up to him and said that he tried to not get the vax. He thought it was bad, but he got it anyway. And then got myocarditis and got kicked out of, you know, separated because his heart isn't strong enough to work anymore, which is the things that we were saying were going to happen. We yeah. said, yes, it doesn't happen to every single person, but it happens to a lot. And it's way higher percentage of people are getting myocarditis and, you know, pericarditis, pericarditis sorry, I'm not a scientist. Okay. All these health issues, they're getting way more people are getting these health issues that are ruining their lives than people ever had who had COVID yeah. and it hurt them. And so I truly believe there is, whether it's useful idiots or nefarious characters, the Department of Defense and the federal government in general is actively hurting our institutions. And, and we have to call it out and we have to say names and we have to provide a path forward. So that's the, wow. that's the goal of SEALs Beat Biden is name names, show the insanity of what's going on up there and and call people to stop it because we, the people are the only ones who can stop it at this point. Yeah. Cause I mean, in a lot of ways it was almost like, it feels almost like this was like a, a drill, a simulation, like see what they could get away with, with a 99% survival, you know, and to like kind of almost run an actual lie simulation of what it would maybe look like if there was actually like a really deadly pandemic, you know what I mean? Uh, which is very scary to think about, but, and, you know, I just feel like I should say right here, um, all this stuff is very scary and terrible the more you look at it. And that's where you have to just be able to go back and just r rely on God. He's in control. He's bigger than the devil, the enemy greater is he that's within us than he that's in the world. You know, um, Psalm 91, you know, we live under his protection We've been given authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the powers of the enemy and nothing shall by any means harm us. If you're in Christ, you can live and stand on that. So I just want to say that because once you start going down these rabbit holes, it can get very scary. And I have to check myself sometimes too, because yeah, the world's scary, man. And it's getting scary and it's getting more in your face about how scary it is. Um, it's wild. I, I have two passages too that, I mean, I, I think that's great 
I'm glad that you pulled me back. I can go on rants and stuff. And I, and pointing this out, no. two of my favorite passages are from Ezekiel. Um, one thirty-three, Ezekiel 33, 6 and 7 say, But if the watchman sees the sword coming and does not blow the trumpet to warn the people, and the sword comes and takes someone's life, that person's life will be taken because of their sin. But I will hold the watchman accountable for their blood. Son of man, I've made you a watchman for the people of Israel. So hear the word I speak and give them warning from me. And then the second one is Ezekiel 34, 2 and 5. And it says, O shepherds of Israel who have been feeding yourselves, should not shepherds feed the sheep? Because there was no shepherd and they became food for all the wild beasts, my sheep were scattered. So I read those to say that we have a duty and a responsibility. People who see the, the writing on the wall, people who see the dots and can connect them, we're the watchmen. You know, you don't have to be in the military. You can, don't have to have a platform like you do. That can be, you know, at your local church, community, whatever. If you see these things, you got to talk about them. You got to share the message because we live in a sinful world. But like you said, we have a sovereign God and we have a savior and there is a path forward and he works through us to build that future. And so I'm all about building the future and I love my country and I love my God more. And I know that um, he has a plan and I hope to see America, you know, regain its spot and hold it forever as the top country in the world. But yeah. That's not a necessity, but I'd like to do my part to make it that way. So I see lots of hope. I see lots of lots of plans for the future, and that's what we're trying to do. And so while there are these bad actors, um, we have the power in our country. We have a fantastic country. We have a great constitution. Yeah. And so there are tons of resources and uh, tons of, of, of um, people working to – stem the tide and turn it back. Yeah. So absolutely. Yeah. Like I can get on these rants about, you know, Lloyd Austin and, and you know, the, the world order and blah, 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 but we can win. And I believe good will win because evil can't create all yeah. they can do is destroy. And that, that's on and us create to counterfeits. create an alternative. Yep. 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 Yeah. I read the book to the end, man. We win. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, that's very true. No, but um, that's, yeah, that's, that's good, man. Um, and may, I don't know, may, maybe I could, I think maybe you should come back on the podcast sometime and we can do a whole, uh, whole nother one. Cause there's a lot more we could dive into, but, um, I did want to ask you, um, you know, you see a lot of, well, not, well, you've seen a fair amount of like, you know, randomly athletes passing out on the sports fields and stuff. And I feel like yeah. probably it very intentionally, I'm assuming, um, you don't hear, at least I haven't heard a lot about, that kind of thing happening in the military. Do you, are you aware of lots or a significant amount of adverse effects from vaccines happening within the military? Yeah. So this is one of those sticky things because people who don't know or who want to use it, um, will try and point to that and be like, Oh, like you don't see massive numbers of guys in the military, you know, getting hurt. There are specific cases. Like I just mentioned with the DC Drano one. And then I actually know people personally who got the first shot. Mm -hmm. and had terrible reactions. I know friends who have myocarditis now. And so one, I see it on a personal level and they've told me to my face verbatim, like, I feel like I will never be the same. And this was coming from an officer and a guy who played soccer um, at a professional level. Mm -hmm. And so one, I've seen it. And then two, you have to remember, what did I tell you about those numbers? The military says we're at 95, 99, whatever oh, percent most people, vaccination at this point. Yeah. Most people, if not an outright majority of people, very close to it, especially in my community, a vast majority faked it. 
So of course you're not going to see adverse reactions. Of course the numbers are skewed. And that's something you got to remember with science. Like the science is only as good as the numbers and who's putting them together. For sure. And so, um, I see it. The athletes, you see LeBron James son the other day. Yeah. Incredible athlete coming from an incredible father. Um, athletically at least and (laughs) collapses has a heart attack and you're just like this is not normal this did not happen three four years ago once maybe twice maybe you didn't see people dying on soccer fields all the time you didn't see football players collapsing middle of the game from a small hit like yeah it's crazy and and but people just the power of I don't know, cognitive dissonance or whatever the term would be of just like trying to just hang their head and go to work and pay the bills because our economy is in shambles and they just, they are having a hard time connecting the dots. I feel like. Yeah, man. Um, and like you said, it, it's so much bigger than just about just this one specific thing. It's a bigger issue of, of, like you said, of Liberty of drawing a line in the sand, you know, um, yeah. So I don't know, man. Um, is there anything else that you want to like, you know, like I said, I'd love to have you back on. Maybe we could dive into some more stuff like more in detail. I don't want to take up a whole bunch of your time today, but, um, is there anything else that we kind of didn't hit on? You'd want to like mention real quick or anything? Um, the only, the last thing I'll say is that to kind of wrap up the steel speed Biden is that it, this was not a small, small number of people. At one point, there were 250,000 service members who were refusing the vaccine that mm. were all going to get discharged. Um, and it started out, they were all going to be dishonorably discharged. And there was a lot of guys who were dishonorably discharged or were discharged. Some of my friends were discharged with discharges that put them in the same category as sex offenders, and they'll never be able to rejoin the military. Um, so this affected a lot of people. And it took a lot of courage for all those people to stand up. And so we want to give voice to all those people. We yeah. want to get, um, we want to, uh, to, to fix and bring restitution um, for the people who were harmed by this. And um, the other thing too, is that it's so important more now, more than ever for Christians um, to lean into their faith and to understand why they believe what they believe. Mm-hmm. And, to exercise our constitutional rights to follow our religion. Um, because a lot of guys put in religious exemptions um, with this, and that'll be part of the story um, that you guys will see. But everyone who put in religious exemptions to this, which is a you know clear legal pathway to, to avoid it, we're all punished anyway. And that in and Jeez. of itself is illegal. So, um, but they did the right thing. They relied on God. They, they went through the legal process and we won. So it might take time, might, you know, you got to have perseverance. You got to have physical, mental, and spiritual, um, fitness, yeah. but where there's a will, there's a way and be a warrior. Um, so, yeah, um, be a we warrior. never really, <laughs> we never really closed it out. Like, um, I realized that when you were talking, like we never, I never really heard like the end of your story. So you guys kind of banded together and you decided this was, uh, not, an option for you um what happened yeah so we all got removed from our team um and every team and training so you were command, discharged from the military or just taken out so of the i seals wasn't discharged or? so i was i was removed from my seal team some people were immediately discharged from the navy and from you know the army and marine corps um but as far as the seals go who i was with 
Um, we were removed from our SEAL team. We were sent to our kind of parent command. And for a little bit, we were put on like basically punitive watches. And we were told to pick weeds in the parking lot and mow the grass, even though we had civilian contractors who do that anyway. Um, and then the kind of the biggest thing, um, kind of the, the biggest shock of this all was we they just stopped bringing us into work for six months. They just stopped communicating to us. They gave us no job, no place to muster, no supervision, no, you know, chain of command. Were you still getting paid? Still got paid though. But Which, just, I mean, we could sit here for another hour talking about how hilariously awful that is. Like, I'm thankful for it. I'm not going to sit here and complain that I didn't get a pay, you know, that I got a paycheck. But the Department of Defense was paying hundreds. Well, I don't know how many people outside of it, but for a minimum, 23 of us were being paid for six months. And didn't do a single thing, even though we asked for gainful employment. And they weren't employment. checking we in asked. on you, having you come in, nope. nothing. Nope. We that could is have wild. we could have died. We could have died, and they would have had no idea. It, it's insane. And this is coming from a you know, there's a daily muster system where every single day your boss checks in the system in the computer yeah. system because you're like, a valuable hey. asset to the U.S. military. And it's not even like oh I'm a seal they have to know where I. It's like. The, the lowest E1, you know, to the highest, you know, four-star general, they know where they're at and they're checked in the system. And somebody lied. Somebody checked us into a system every single day for six months. Just because they didn't know I what to imagine. do? They were like, we don't know what we're doing next, so we're just going to ignore it for six months, I guess? Your guess is as good as mine. <laughs> I guess they, they didn't expect to be called on their bluff ah. and – they had nothing to do with us and they wanted us to have nothing to do with anybody else because they knew we were right and truth wins. And it's obvious when you're standing on lies and they wanted us to be as far away from everyone else as possible. Yeah. And, they probably just thought um, if you just sat there doing nothing, getting a paycheck, you'd either stay quiet or maybe change your mind or you know what I mean? Like not just, they didn't want to push the issue. Like I said, they probably knew they were wrong. And if it was really pushed, they would get proven wrong. So they're like, let's just, yeah, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't know. But it wasn't until a change of command where the the outgoing um, officer and senior enlisted guy in charge of, of basically the East Coast, it wasn't until they left and a new group came in that they called us back all in. So I definitely don't think it was a slip through the cracks. So yeah, so we come back in. There's a back and forth of like, oh, like, what are you guys, where you been? What are you doing? Like, why didn't you come in? And we're like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Like, we were right here. We were, we were looking to do something. And um, they were like, you got, we, we need to regain you guys' trust. Or like, you guys have to regain our trust. And we were like, we've showed up every time you've told us to be somewhere. Right time, right place, right uniform. You know, we helped with funerals. We mowed lawns. We picked grass. Like, we asked to be put at different commands. We asked to go back to our team so we could help them get ready for deployment. Like, we did it all. Can you please just give us a job? Like, we want to work. Like, we've been go we've been all going to college and starting small businesses because we're so bored out of our mind. Please give us work. <laughs> and they're like, no. Like, we, we want to bring you guys in and muster every morning um, until we can trust you guys. And, and then we'll talk about it. So for another few months, we would go in at 9, 9.15 in the morning. We'd say like, hey, we're here. And they'd be like, all right, cool. Check your name. And we'd go back home for another wow. couple months. It was insane. It got to the point where one of my friends 
specifically put paperwork in place to get out of the Navy because he was so fed up with it. And he ended up getting enabled. He rescinded his religious exemption because he wanted to get discharged because he wanted to move on with his life. And the reason everybody else didn't do that is because everybody else wanted to go back to the SEALs. Everyone right. else wanted to go back and do our job, right? And so we're like, we're not going to purposely get kicked out because we want to do our job. Um, but anyway, yeah, so it went on for a few more months. And then finally, we this whole time, too, we had a court case going. Um, there was some in Florida, some in Texas. And it got to the Supreme Court level, and they were supposed to hear it. Um, they pushed the date back until it would have been June of this year. And, um, once that happened, the OSHA, the OSHA law got knocked down, um, or mandate, all the other federally civilian mandated mandates got knocked down one after the other, and they realized they couldn't win. And then thankfully in the midterms, we had enough votes to get, um, the national defense authorization act every year kind of funds the military. They were able to write in there that the constitutionality did not exist for mandating the COVID vaccines and that they had to rescind it. So a few weeks after that, everyone slowly started trickling back to our various commands. Um, and so that was spring of this year. Um, and at that point though, my contract was already out. My contract mm. was expiring in May of this year, 2023. And so I had like, I think two months left or something like that. And so for the last two months, I, everyone, all my friends went back to their teams and different commands, business as usual, no apology, no admittance of anything. Just, you know, like, oh, that was so silly, guys. <laughs> How funny was that? Like, <laughs> go back to work. No hard feelings, right? And um, then I just stayed at my parent command, basically, and did a P-test like two, three times a week and went home. And I've been working on school, networking getting things set up for, for after. So, so yeah, had you already kind of decided kinda, like I'm done with this, like w w during this whole process. Yeah. I, it, it's, it's hard to obey orders and respect leadership. Um, which is kind of a necessity when you're in the military, when those guys have no accountability, they, they, lie to your face they accuse you of things and then when it comes out that they're wrong it's just the same thing with afghanistan withdrawal 13 people died no apology no hey we shouldn't have done it this way it's just oh somebody speaks out we're gonna can you and go on business as usual and for me i respect the guys who went back um i wish them the best friends with them all to this day i love the guys who never left right um, a lot of good guys uh, on the operator level, um, just good patriots want to serve their country and unfortunately just didn't act out on their convictions. But for me, I was just like, I, I think I can do better service outside telling the story and, and trying to fight for change um, on the outside. So, wow, man. Well, that's wild story. Um, did you ever, last question, did you ever have like doubts or was the thought of losing what you'd worked so hard in training to get like close to pushing you over the edge and say, ah, oh, whatever, I'm just going to get it and just move on? Or had you already kind of started to see the cracks in the system so much and you felt so strongly that it was just never a doubt? You're just like, no, nah, I'm not, this is not happening. Yeah. <laughs> so when it all started on deployment, my one of my buddies got it and 
he regretted it instantly, but we would talk about it all the time and he would just be like, man, you'll get it. You'll get it. <laughs> and I just told him, I was like, no, I, I won't. And, and thankfully I had enough time and, um, enough of a foundation in scripture and history to know right from wrong. And so, no, there was never a moment where I was like, Oh, I might get it. But a lot of guys did some, some guys even ended up breaking and, and going and getting it. And, um, a lot more guys struggled with it. And because like I said, these guys want to be seals. They spent yeah. their whole lives training for this. Some people, you know, from right. the time they're kids, I, I didn't, but a lot of guys, this is their whole life. Like this right. is what they wanted. So yeah, it was hard for a lot of guys. Um, for me personally, I knew it wasn't what the Lord hadn't planned for me. And, um, but that being said, like it, it wasn't easy. Like there yeah, are definitely sure. days, there's still days. I see my, my buddies, you know, my roommates right now, they, they go on trips or whatever for work. They're going to go jump, going to dive, going to, you know, land warfare, shoot guns, blowing things up. And I'm like, man, like I'm sitting here as wonderful as you are. I'm sitting here talking to my computer screen and, you know, these guys are jumping out. <laughs> well, of dude, come so hunting with me, like, man. You need to come on a backcountry trip with me. You'll feel right at home. Hey, I would love to send the invite. I'm there. I'm sure I could learn a lot from you. Um, so yeah, Both it's, ways. It's, there are there are there are moments of of weakness, if you will, where I where I just miss the old life because it was sure, fun. Man. You know, it was, yeah. it was it was the best time of my life for sure. But no, I was I was convicted for sure. Yeah, and I, and I know the Lord's got a plan for you and um, something big. So. Man, it's really cool, man. I appreciate your your bravery, your courage, not only in, in your service, but also just uh, you know speaking out about the stuff you said. We need we need guys awakening the warrior in American men, and we need guys uh, like you who are not who are willing to hold the line and stand up for what's right and what they believe in. And so, um, thanks for sharing your story, man. And um, Tell folks where and when they can watch this documentary and find out more about what you got going on. Yeah. Well, first off, I just want to say thank you for giving me, you know, your platform to, yeah, to course, share the man. story and spread it. I appreciate it. And um, yeah, so to follow along the the story I've been, you know, focused on today, go to sealsbeatbiden.com. There's also Instagram and Twitter pages where you can see the trailers and then stay up to date with the release date, which will be in November. And then um, if anyone wants to follow me, I'm, active a little bit on Instagram, a little bit more on Twitter. And then I also write for the Republic Sentinel, which is a news outlet. So if you guys go look me up there, um, yeah, you can, you can follow along the story. Cool. Well, thanks again, man. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I'd love to take you hunting sometime. That'd be, that'd be cool. So we'll have to stay in touch. Absolutely. Looking forward to it. All right, man. Thanks again. Yep. Bye-bye.